Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the AJ's primary preview. My name is Matt Dotre. I'm the government reporter for the Avalanche Journal. Um, this week, we're focusing on contested house races. I'm joined over the phone with Jason Huddleston, who is challenging Ken King for House District 88 in the Republican primary. Jason, how are you? Doing good. Very good. I appreciate you joining, joining me. Uh, you want to introduce yourself? I'm Jason Huddleston. Uh, I'm from Carrington, Texas. Been up here the last 10 years of my life. Uh, grew up in Canyon, Texas. I'm running for your House of Representatives, House District 88, and would love your vote. Yeah. So <laughs> tell us a bit about your district, because some people may find it odd that uh, the Lubbock newspaper is interviewing someone from Perryton. Well, it's 17 counties. Uh, the way that I can see it from square foot, it's the third biggest uh, mile, or not square foot, but square miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it runs all the way from up here in Perryton, Texas, seven miles from the Oklahoma border, all the way down to Denver City. Kind of hooks around Canyon and Amarillo. Those, those two are cut out, and Lubbock's cut out, but it uh, it's just one big diagonal, <laughs> about six yeah. hours from tip to tip to drive it. That's crazy, yeah. And then around Lubbock, it's, I mean, these are bordering counties. Your counties like Hale, Lamb, and Hockley. So, yeah, p- plenty of uh, plenty of travel time, I can imagine. So do you, uh, want, do you want to talk about what issues you've been focusing on and what, what, what you're talking about with voters? Well, the, uh, I've, I've knocked on thousands of doors in the last, last six months, talked to many great folk. I've got to hear great conversations and, and heard their concerns. And then as I've done research along this six month, uh, and, and really a little prior to before I ran, uh, we've, we've got a very concerning thing in our district as is, um, uh, Rice university has done a study of our current representative and, uh, they, they take a look at our, our senators and our representatives, and they, they, they look at all of their votes, and then they rank them. So our representative, he, when he first went in in 2013, he was 18th from the bottom of the Republicans. 2015, he was number seven. And then this last session, in 2017, he was number four. Then after the special session, he was number three, so third from the bottom. So as I would look at that, he's the third most liberal Republican in the state house. And I just don't see that growing up in Canyon and kind of in the middle of this district and being up in Perryton and talking to people. I don't think that we're the third most liberal uh, of the state. And, and that's a little bit concerning. So I've been trying to educate folks on his voting and, and let them take a look at it. Most people look at what happens in the, in Congress and, and federally, just because Fox News tends to tell us a lot 24 mm-hmm. 7 on that. But our state is in a concerning place, and our district that, uh, to me, may be a little bit of a stepchild because we're not close to Austin. It does take us a long way to get there, and sometimes our representation can't be heard as well. But that's what I would like to do is actually listen to the people and their concerns. And some of those concerns are taxes are too high. Uh, education needs help and funding. 
and it seems like we send a lot of money down there and we can't recapture that. Teachers are stressed out about the test, and so are the kids, and I think that's a monopoly that we need to take a look at. Uh, given the accountability back to the school districts instead of uh, a test. But another another very concerning is abortion. I've heard from people around our district. Our representative this last session voted on a voted with the Democratic caucus on on an amendment. It's uh, Senate Bill Eight, twenty second amendment of that bill and it would have closed the loophole on late-term abortions if the baby has a fetal abnormality and uh he voted with the democratic caucus to to pull that part of of that amendment to that bill off it's called the shaper amendment and i'm adopted i was adopted in 1973 around the time roe versus wade took place and uh that that's what really kind of pushed me over the over the hump of doing this. I've been trying to find someone to run against Mr. King for for three years. Couldn't find anybody and uh, God pushed me pushed me into this to to go forth and and uh, and get our representation back to more conservative moral values. Okay. Okay. So yeah I mean I want to talk a bit more about that ranking. Um, Ken King tends to vote with education and I, I feel like that is that something that would put him on that list you, you were referring to you know I always hear that rural representatives are different rural rural Republicans are different than your average Republicans so I mean how how, how can you go about ranking those when, when the needs are, are, are just so much different well I mean you take you take things like taxes border security um, he 2015, he, we could have got 50.9 million uh, for border security to get them a plane, and he gave it to diversity training. And you know, the if you rank, if you take all of his votes, and that makes him the third from the bottom. Uh, you know, how how in any of the bills, uh, if it's education, if it's social issues like. Uh, the privacy bill. I know he was he was not for that. He, I mean, he 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 thought that shouldn't be an issue up in uh, the top of the panhandle. Uh, he he calls it the bathroom bill, like uh, most most liberals. And you know, when you take you take that kind of issue and you say, hey, uh, it's not an issue for us, but you know, his Canadian wildcats up there go to state, and if I think it'd be very concerning as a parent. You go down to Austin or Dallas, wherever he has to play in the state title, and you know the the cheerleaders are okay to shower with the boys. You know, I mean, it could get bad if we, you know, whatever is tolerated will increase. And so, socialistic tax, um, abortion, you know, those uh, Christian core and even Republican platform uh, items are things that, you know, as a Republican, we need to stand for. And if you're that far ranked below, and, and he's come out against, you know, the, the governor and uh, the lieutenant governor and the Republican platform. So, 
you know, if if he doesn't like the Republican Party and their values and what they're trying to do, then he needs to, you know, go to what he's becoming closer to, which would be the Democratic Party. And and that's why there's two parties at this point. Mm-hmm. So, so kind of tell us what issues you want to accomplish if elected, kind of, kind of what you're, you're hoping to bring to the House. Uh, I hope I hope we can get fair uh, property value uh, taxation. Uh, just kind of kind of a, the thing that I that has happened to me up here in Perryton is uh, some things that I've heard throughout the 17 counties. Uh, something similar, but like my house, I've I've done two appraisals personally. I paid for them to to look at the appraisal. Uh, my house is worth three hundred thousand. I'm getting taxed at three hundred thirty thousand. You know the, the state of state of Texas. Uh, I've had some city commissioners and uh, our city managers and county commissioners tell me we're we're ranked as fifth as the most taxing state in the union. So some reform there, maybe maybe taking a look at increasing the sales tax uh, cap. So. The local governments can choose to maybe raise their sales tax to lower property taxes, maybe a good, a good start. But definitely supporting, uh, Donald Trump and the wall. You know, we spend 800 million on, on securing the border, just Texas. We spend 800 million and we get the, the wall built and, and we, we support the wall being built. At least it would maybe slow things down on, on how people are coming across and using our education, our health care. And if we can lower that bill, you know, the eight hundred million that we that we use to uh, to secure the border, along with all the expenditures that we have in health care and education, then maybe we can do things to help fund schools, help lower the cost of, of insurance. I think we need to take the Tenth Amendment as it is and maybe take a look at if if our if our Congress is not going to repeal Obamacare, maybe we can take the tenth amendment and say, "All right, as as a state, we're going to kick your health care back, and we're going to do our own. You know, we're going to we're going to help these teachers and city workers and policemen, uh, and even the the common man that's trying to get individual health care. And we can we can do what Texas has always done best, and that's run business well. I mean, we're we're one of just a few that have a balanced budget. We don't have debt. And so um, if we could do that fiscal responsibility, uh, both in health care, securing the border. I think we could we could really start doing and doing things like we should as Texas and shine and be be a great state. Yeah, so I'm sorry, repeat that. Talk with me more about border security. You said, yes, Texas should be in favor of building a wall along the border. Yes, sir. Okay. I mean, do you think that would be done? uh, I mean, how do you think the state should go about acquiring that land? Well, we we already have a border. I mean, we have a border all all the way across all into California. And and we, um, we secure that currently. And, but, you know, with some Fed help, but it is costing us a lot of money 
to, to do it with just our own forces, uh, our own state mm-hmm. forces to do so. So, you know, being supportive of that to slow things down. And I know I've heard arguments, you know, they're going to get here, uh, get through us one way or another. Uh, uh, tunneling, you know, there's a lot of ingenuity involved, but if we could slow down things and, and try to, uh, enable, better enable our state to, to do that and lessen our cost to secure it. Uh, that's that's just got to be a good win for us yeah. in the state. Mm-hmm. So, talk with me more about schools and public schools. You know, you know how how should uh, should the state be paying more for education? Should the, the the funding formula be fixed? I mean, what needs to be done, especially for rural school districts? I've heard some great ideas from from some superintendents and principals as I've walked. When I, when I catch them at the door, I tend to spend a lot more time with them. There, there's an interesting idea that I, that I heard from a principal in Leveland, uh, when, when he came home, I actually started talking with his wife, who's a teacher, and then, then he came home and he actually wrote a master's thesis on a backpack program that, uh, you know, a child is worth a certain dollar amount. And then when, if he were to transfer because his parents' jobs or whatever the, the case, his backpack goes with him, but basically the school or school district takes those funds out of his backpack throughout the year. So I've, I've introduced that idea to the Miami superintendent. Uh, we have an interim superintendent up here in, in Perryton. We're looking for a new superintendent, uh, and he's been in uh, – I think he gave me some of the best – uh, thought process of that, that, you know, he's been in different schools, he's retired. And so he travels around and does this interim superintendent. He, he said, you know, the backpack idea would work, but as we talked, we even went a step further of if we could get, get these kids and get away, get away from the test and start stressing away the test and, and let, let it go back to scorecard or I'm, not, I'm sorry, report card, what these kids do, just kind of like when I went to school, that's what it was based about. A state assessment was just to see where we were at, not a stressful thing. And, uh, you know, third graders shouldn't take a four-hour test. I mean, I didn't even take four-hour tests until we were in college. But, you know, let the schools hold, hold their kids accountable, but even push those kids that, that look like they want to go to college, help them go on that track especially from ninth grade on those that are going to go into the, the field of work, then get businesses like plumbers, electricians that we're losing, or, or we, we just don't have enough of, uh, or other industries. You know, I'm in the oil patch up here. Mm-hmm. You could get some co-op funding basically is just, this is the idea uh, that in talking with a lot of these superintendents, and get them to teach those trades and help them to come out and be someone that could go into the workforce because some don't even want to go towards college. College is super expensive. Those that want to go to to college would be doctors, lawyers, um, even teachers. You know, they need to go that, that route, but 
there's a way that we can assess. And I think that's the testing that we need to do. Assess those kids as we get into the upper levels of education and get them on a track, a track to be workers in the right field of society. And that's where the funding will come. I, and I know Canyon's not in my district, but I talked to a superintendent, or excuse me, a school board member there that I've, I've known for a long time. And they even, in Canyon, they have a Bell helicopter um, and even at a trade school, I think it was hair, hair design, coming as a an additional curriculum that they can choose uh, for their school. And, and, you know, I know some schools can't do that, but if, but if we have businesses that will want to invest in our kids that way, that might, might, and I say that because this is just an idea, mm-hmm. but it might bring funding into a better place uh, because we have people co-oping in and trying to enable these kids to be good citizens, good working citizens in, in the right field that they should be in. Yeah. Um, are, you, are you in support of school vouchers? Absolutely not. Anything that's going to take away funding to the schools, just uh, the way that it is, it's unconstitutional. The way that it has been stated, it goes against what our Constitution says, and it's supposed to be free public schools to children. And so uh, I just I can't I can't get around that at this point. I mean, I, I don't know that. That we can't at any point because I can't see how constitutionally we can take funding from the schools. Okay, okay, and I ask you that because, um, uh, well, uh, your your campaign is receiving funds from Empower Texans. I'm sure you've been endorsed by Empower Texans. Um, so, mm-hmm. I mean, tell me where you line up with those views because, I mean, even lately there's been kind of a, a, a Twitter trend about how you know arguing that Empower Texans don't support aren't completely in support of public education. Well, and I would, what I would challenge your, your listeners, readers is to look at, pull up Empire Texans, look at what, what they stand for. They stand for fiscal responsibility and anything fiscal responsibility. They, you know, they, they educate and charge people and, Empower Texans, they had, you know, they, they had a small struggle with the way that I felt on vouchers. And, you know, my, I have a daughter that went through public school. My youngest three, uh, we decided to, to homeschool. So they, they kind of thought homeschool dad would be for vouchers. And, um, I told them not, but they decided to, uh, you know, I know last session they were they were for vouchers, and you know they looked at me and I thought, well, you're not for vouchers, but they still endorsed me anyway, mm-hmm. and they did it because I'm very much for fiscal responsibility from local level, state level, um, even 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 from the schools. And, you know, we got to watch watch how we're spending, and and just be fiscally responsible, just like I am in my business. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I think is going to help a lot is what our Senator Cruz did in, in, in U.S. Congress. You know, in the, <clears throat> this last, when they, when they did the budget, and if you remember, there was an amendment in the House, but it, the budget passed in the House, then it went to the Senate, 
Bernie Sanders and a couple of cronies, they didn't like a certain amendment. So, and it was Senator Cruz's amendment on 529s. And what he did is he took 529s from a college uh, funding down through K through 12. He also put in there private schools and homeschools. Well, Bernie Sanders and cronies didn't like the homeschool part, so they took that out. So when they took it out, it passed the Senate, went back to the House to pass, and it passed. So what that did, let me just explain a little bit what 529, it helped public school, private, and actually in the state of Texas, because of the Leaper case, homeschoolers are private. So it's, you know, the jury's a little bit out on that. I've been asking a lot of people, accountants, you know, does that mean that homeschoolers can do it also? But what it does is it gives a federal tax deduction. You know, if, you, if your kid wants to buy a tuba for school, you know, you can deposit it in the 529 and pay out of the 529 for that tuba, and you get a tax deduction for that contribution that you made into your 529. For curriculum, if, I, if I'm paying curriculum for my homeschoolers or my homeschool kids, I can put it in the 529, take a tax deduction, and that's federal. It doesn't hurt our, our local schools. And so I'm hoping what Senator Cruz did is going to maybe take some of those thought processes and pressures of, of pushing this voucher system because that was a huge win for public, private, and, and really all, all parents that have kids uh, because if they'll utilize that and it's there now, K through 12, that's going to be a huge, huge win for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk with me a bit about uh, property tax. Were you... Um were you in favor of Senate Bill 2 last session? And then are you, the governor recently kind of released his new, his new proposal, uh, which p- puts that rollback rate at, I think, 2.5%. Um, are you in favor of reducing that rollback rate? And do you think that'll address the continual increase in property taxes? I'm, I'm, I understand what Abbott is trying to do. He's trying to get that four. You know, it in the House, it tried to get close to six six percent and and i i have a lot of county officials and, and city managers that that i've talked to even after i said hey i am i'm 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 for the four percent uh, because anything past that i think it needs to go to the people mm-hmm. and i've had some press back from from those county officials and uh, and we, we've had good conversations and i and i tell them look when is the last time that you went past four percent and most of them say we never have. And I said, so having a cap at four, what's that going to hurt? And, and some of the county, county officials, commissioners, they, they want, they want to be able to go above and beyond. But I, I've told them, you know, especially in my district where it's rural, some of us are a lot of oil and ag base, and both of those have been down in the last three years. I'm like, you know, in our business, in everybody's business, when things are down, what we do is we tighten up spending. So all I'm asking y'all is to look at your spending. Make sure you're doing a fiscal responsibility for the people. And, they, and, and their argument is, you know, we're raising taxes on ourselves. I said, yeah, and most of y'all take a salary. Some of you aren't business owners. They're just trying to make it and keep people employed. So I would ask you, just be transparent. And I know they are. A lot of people don't show up to their meetings. But if you need more than 4% because an ambulance service goes down or 
locked up up here. We had a lot of fires. We had some fire engines down. But people are going to help you. You just say, hey, look, we need a new fire truck because they got burned up in the in the wildfires up here. And the people will allow it. But if we don't let the people decide, then we, we just can't continue to give blank checks. 8% is a tall order. And I, I just, I, I want the people to decide when things get over and out of hand. And I, a 4% cap to me is, is a good place. Yeah. So, uh, talk with and me. we just need to keep talking about it. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I told them, I said, look, I, I want to listen and continue to listen to make a good decision. But for me, it sounds like 4% is not a bad place to be. Okay. Do you, I mean, do you think two and a half percent is too low? You know, I would, it's like one person told me, uh, you know, Jason, I wish they could vote every time. I wish the cap was zero. And then every time they wanted to raise it, raise it up. So, you know, everybody's going to say, well, 6% is better. Two and a half is better. And I know Abbott came up with two and a half, but, and I'm not sitting next to him. I'm not having a conversation with him. I really think what he's trying to do, all right, the House wanted to move it to six. So if they're going to do that, I really want four. So I'm going to say two and a half. Yeah. So, you know, that's it, it's going to take a lot more conversations. I've been listening to the people, not, and I've been listening to the county, but the people are tired of being taxed. They're tired of renting what they own. So if we are to represent the people, the people saying it's too high. So I would like the people to say two and a half, four. And tell us, and, I, and I, I've encouraged the officials. I said, "Why don't you go out and knock on doors like I am? Listen to them. Listen to them because they're not going to come to your meetings when you have them at nine o'clock in the morning, or sometimes you may have it at six. And there's basketball games, football games. Let's maybe do Facebook Live and start giving some people some ways to playing it back. You know, the, there's got to be some more transparency to help them hear. But if you sit in a chair and just make decisions and you don't listen to the people. You're not representing. And I have a feeling that's how some of our representatives, especially our current representative in the state house, he's not getting out and listening to people. The people of Hockley County, I mean, Leveland, Littlefield, Plains, Denver City, these people are telling me we've never seen him. And if he if he comes and does a oh his little forums, he has them at two o'clock in the afternoon when people are working. You know, get out and listen to the people. Mm-hmm. Go to a coffee shop. I know when some of them are. There's one in Leveland at 3 o'clock, about six guys go and drink coffee every time in Leveland because I've, I've seen them mm-hmm. <laughs> and talked to them. <laughs> so I think so. a lot of people are, you know, just to put a face on this election, are, are, are saying it boils down to a moderate Republican being challenged by a more extreme staunch Republican, that would be yourself. Um, do you see it? Do you see it that way? You know, I would call myself a conservative. And and the Republican Party is is more conservative than the Democratic Party. But I would I would call myself more conservative than a Republican, but I am a Republican because I believe in their, their platform. And uh, I believe on... on I should say most. There's some that I would like to have a good conversation and maybe debate. Mm-hmm. But there's there's a lot of things that 
line up with my core Christian values. And um, I don't. I, I think the moderate Republican is. We're seeing that from the Fed level, state level, and even city. And you know, we're in a, we're in an interesting place as a Republican Party, and. Uh, I think some choices are going to have to be made on which direction we go, but more tend to fall, it feels, the way that things are getting held up in, in, in our federal Congress. Mm-hmm. We're hitting we're hitting in the, the middle a little bit, and I think some people are needing to choose, and I think the elections throughout our state and even our elections from our federal representatives, we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens this this next cycle on what the people are choosing to have as representation. Uh, were you were you happy to hear that uh, Speaker Strauss wasn't seeking re-election? Do you think that's a good thing for the House? I think that is an absolutely great thing for the House. Him being censored, also that shows. I believe a lot of people, especially in the Republican Party, do not believe that that's good representation of our of our people of our state so i think that was an incredibly good thing for our state and i'm excited to see what happens i i hope some good speaker candidates come out i hope more uh you know we need we need a good choice to see who's going to move forward in the house yeah well very good uh jason i don't have any questions anything anything you wanted to add before we wrap up here just, I, I would I love the folk to, you know, take a look at, at, at my website. It's votejasonhuddleston.com. Follow me on Facebook. I'm trying to be very transparent and show our representatives vote. And I want them to do the research. You know, I, I, I'm just showing them the facts that I have found, and then they can read in to, to the rest. But if you don't research... Um, then I'm just speaking, and and I don't I don't I don't want them just to to believe me or Mr. King. I want them to look and research at what's going on. All all the postcards and stuff that I've sent in the mail, they can give me a call uh, if they want to ha- have a visit with me. I'm knocking on doors every day, and sometimes when I'm like today, I'm not I hadn't been in a very good spot for cell service, but feel free to call me, and I'm. I put it on my postcards because I want to hear from them. Because the only way I'm going to know how to represent them correctly is to call me. And so mm-hmm. I'd appreciate them doing that. Yeah. Are you going to be Are you going to be uh, in our area uh, anytime before uh, early voting starts? Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm headed towards the Plainview area next week uh, into Lavaland, Denver City. Uh, my, my calendar is full of me. Uh, uh, doing another uh, bout of, of of knocking on doors, and I have some uh, events that some people have invited me to to see more people. So we're we're in a continuously, and it's not a circle. I don't know, a, a swig, swish, swash, swag around the, the yeah. district to to continue to see folks and listen to them, and 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 hope hopefully they'll get out and vote. Yeah. So, but yeah, for the next week, I'm more down in the southern part uh, for the next week and a half. Okay, very good. Well, Jason, we appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you.